Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. I think I can speak for a lot of Chicago Bear fans out there and answer to a Mr. Announcer Man. Do we have to recap the games from yesterday? Can we just start previewing ahead? It might be too painful to do so. But being the uh, semi-professionals that we are, we will attempt to do so here are the two guys in a mic show. I emphasize semi, by the way. We never uh, try to dictate to the world of true professionalism. Just a couple of guys talking sports. That's what we do in the two guys at a mic show every Monday through Friday, 10 to 11 o'clock, right here. On the TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic, David Olson, our producer on the other side of the glass. It's our pre-Christmas week coming up. Plenty to talk about. And, of course, our regular segment, the NFL, round them up and wrap them up, coming at you at approximately 11, 28, and 42 seconds today. Very approximate, by the way. All right, thank you very much. Without further Joseph ado, he is not able to come into the studio, but we are lucky enough to have him as the co-host to this soon-to-be award-winning show. He checks in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. My good friend, my partner, the inevitable one, Mr. Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you? The inevitable one. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Maybe maybe that's (laughs) Tim Tebow's nickname. Uh, I'm not sure where that something else was supposed to come out, and that's uh, inevitable. It didn't quite fit, but a uh, hey, roll with it. Huh? It's early in the week. That's actually a really good nickname. If I was actually, you know, like having like pro, like being prolific <laughs> at turning out stuff, so hopefully something like that will happen for me one day, coach. Okay, all right. But in the meantime, you're you're uh, possibly voting that uh, Tim Tebow's new nickname should be the inevitable one. That's not bad. Yeah, honestly, that's. I mean. I don't think anybody was shocked. Actually, I was completely shocked because yesterday as I'm watching NFL football, having a very, very good day on the couch, uh, I picked a bunch of upsets, and each one of those blew it at the last second, like the Bengals blowing a game on it that made me upset, Coach. Well, anyways, <laughs> I, turned, I, turned to, I turned to Brian, and I say, fellas, everybody, don't worry. It's almost mathematically impossible right now for the Broncos to come back and win. They have no timeouts. They're getting the ball back five minutes to go. With the way they move, it's almost they'd have to get the onside kick, guys. Or the Bears just have to do something completely moronic for them to lose the game at this point. I was like, you know, you're probably right. People weren't even angry at me. I think they weren't like, oh, you jinx or whatever. You know, you know what I mean, coach? They were just like, I yep. cannot believe Marion Barber basically handed a football game to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Marion Barber and about six or seven other instances. I mean, it was like one failure after another and you're right i mean the odds at that point were just amazing but uh it was like spinning the dice and you kept coming up with a 12 or two like six times in a row yeah what was going on i have never seen anything like that the amount of shooting themselves in the foot going off sides are you kidding me giving them a first down i mean how does that happen? It happens. That never happens. The Bears never do that, Coach. We've talked this year about how the Bears have played such professional football this year, how they have been so fundamentally sound and played such superb professionally. They've just played, and all of a sudden, the last five minutes of the game, they all the possible mistakes that they can make as a football team, they make. 
Denver Broncos knocking off our beloved Bears 13-10. to We'll talk about that game and more. Any Bear fans out there, football fans, you want to check in on a uh, semi-wild Sunday of NFL football, give us a call at 888-463-6748. Again, phone lines wide spanking open at 888-463-6748. Final score 13-10. to Everybody knows by now the Bears are winning a really up until the final three minutes, Big Dog, a very uh, uh, uneventful. I don't want to say boring, but close to boring. But it was certainly an uneventful football game at that point. Bears were leading in, like you said, kind of a professional workmanlike way, ten to nothing, and then all hell breaks loose the final three minutes. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I, as a Bears fan, that wasn't boring whatsoever. I was absolutely loving eh. the grind. It whatever you, you know, we're used to, as NFL fans, we're all used to thirty-one twenty-eight by now. The fact that for the first time in our lifetime we're watching a 0-0 football game where every yard on the field is fought after, I thought it was absolutely cool. It was like, well, how, how many more times in my life am I going to watch a football game like this? Maybe like two or three more times, and it's going to be when the Bears go to Denver in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, I have a totally different aspect. Anybody else? It was boring. Well, then don't watch football because this is what football is all about, is blocking and tackling. Sometimes you have 0-0 games. If you don't like it, go watch soccer because there, there was a one nothing national championship game. I watched that. I won't believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not, at 10.30 last night, I'm watching the first half and uh, 6 o'clock, this, actually 5.25 this morning. I mean, David Olson, if you want to uh, you know, seek medical help for me feel free to call somebody but at 5 at 5 25 this morning i'm watching the second half of ncaa soccer a one to nothing thriller but uh well, what about <laughs> that goal by north carolina to oh, win? Was amazing. oh it was amazing. ben pease ben people you know tuning in to hear about our football expertise ben pease is one of the most sensational i haven't seen espn's top 10 of the week was that number one dog it was oh uh, by the way number one was kentucky Oh, we got Kentucky. The number two play should have been number one. That was like the number nine overall. Oh my goodness! But at any rate, that yeah, that sickness set aside. Your point is well taken, and I do agree with you at this aspect. Even though the Bears were driving, the fact that it was zero zero near mid third quarter, I was almost hoping, as a Bears fan, that they not score because of the uniqueness of a zero to zero game. So in some sense, I was kind of with you in that aspect. I, I was I was honestly hoping for a seven nothing victory. That's what I wanted was the score to be seven to nothing and just last. So like fifty years from now when I look at scores of Bears game, I'm like, Oh yeah, remember we beat Tim Tebow seven nothing and now I'm just I, okay, coach, we have this um at the at the house right here was the United Nations and obviously we got the we have, you know, football fans in this house, you know, out the you know, out the door every single Sunday. Well I have a tradition Every time the the Bears have officially clinched the game, I run in front of the television. And I say, hold up, hold up, hold up, everybody shuts up. I go, the quarterback's going to do just like this, and I kneel down. Acting on doing the kneel down. Well, I'm, and, and now it's got to the point where all of my friends we we battle to do it. Like so, we right when it's like the game is clinched, one of us will sprint to the front of the TV. And we're like, hold up, hold up. We make everybody in the room shut up, and then they kneel down. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to do it yesterday and do the whole Tim Tebow. Kneel down. I was like, yeah, they're going to T-bow when they kneel on the ball. And, you know, so I can't even explain. All of us were just like, nobody said a word for 15 minutes. We seriously just sat there with our mouth open. I, I think I was the first one. I was like, no one said a word in like 10 minutes, guys. People got up and just walked out of my house without even saying goodbye, coach. That's how, like, distraught some of my parents were. Shocking off. Shocking yeah. off. Not from a military aspect, from a football front. Uh, you know, 
And again, 13 to 10, Broncos winning in overtime. Let us say, you know, it's all, you know, Tim Tebow. That's all we're going to be hearing about all week. And, and I, you know, nothing wrong with that, but let us give a little bit of credit. And I've never seen field goal kicking like I've seen this year, Big Doe. And it seems like every kicker has got like, I don't know what it is, but it seems like five or 10 more yards on their leg than they've had before. I think we should steroid test all the field goal kickers, get them all together with Ryan Braun in one room and check something out. But, I mean, give some credit to Matt Prater, 59 yards, and and that puppy split the uprights. And correct me if I'm wrong, Robbie Gold, all-time Chicago Bear record last time I checked. The Bears franchise has been around for a while. Let us not forget he kicked the longest field goal in Chicago Bear history. Both those kicks, Big Doug had plenty to spare. What is going on with the field goal kicking? I, I think Robbie Gold would have been good from 65. It could have been yes. I mean, really. He I'm killed not kidding. it. That, Just killed it. The, and, and Robbie Gold was phenomenal yesterday. He, at, 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 throughout a point in the game, I was like, the only way the Broncos can score is on a return. Okay? He was making sure that they didn't even get the ball. He was kicking yeah, it out of the yeah, end zone. Yeah, the kicks were way out of the end zone. I don't know where Matt Prater came from, but uh, holy man. That, his 59-yard kick, there, I mean, there was never a doubt. You know, the air is lighter up there. The ball travels Maybe further. That's I don't it. care. That's a 59-yard bomb. You can kick the football. Yeah, and it didn't barely, you know, squeeze in through the up. Both his 59-yarder and the one to win it was, uh, you know, it seems kind of easy now. <laughs> what, 51 yards? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was 51 yeah. and 59. And both, both of those were just straight right through the uprights. Of course, we should mention he got one uh, blocked earlier on from. Oh, what a play by Pep. See, that's what I, Julius Peppers. Ah. When, uh, when, you know, when that happened, I was like, I was like that, that's why I thought the game was so great when we were watching. I mean, it's like 0-0. Zero, zero, that block, that, the block of a field goal was so huge at that point because three points would have been massive. You know, that, that's what I thought. Very rarely do you have games like that where, like, where you're watching punts and you're like, wow, this is, we really need to get a lot of yards on this punt and change field position. So, it was like the whole game within a game deal. I don't ever remember a, a score zero zero at halftime. I'm sure it's happened, but I, I mean, I know it's happened. I'm positive it has. I just can't remember the last time. Like, how long has it been since that's happened in the NFL? It's been a while. Been a while. I was actually hoping it would go zero zero at the end of regulation, and then Robbie Gould would kick a field goal to win it. That would even make it a more memorable game, three to nothing in overtime. But of that course, the Bears fun. had to spoil everything by. Scoring a touchdown. The touchdown, by the way, uh, finished off on a very good run. Change of adjustment or, uh, uh, you know, a readjustment. Change of direction move by Marion Barber, the seventh or the sixth, whatever he is. Um, great play right there. He was having a pretty good game, and then all things all went downhill. Of course, going out of bounds was just a brutal mental mistake. And, you know. Is that coach? I, I don't understand. You just fall down. I mean, yeah. Oh, you're like, he oh, knows. No, I'm making just, a mistake. My momentum's going. You just, you just like drop your ass. You just, know what I mean? You just and Marion Barber up. knows that big dog. It's as simple as you can put it. A mistake. That's what it was. I mean, just, that's worse than. That's about as big. The only thing that you can do worse than that on a football field as a running back is mm-hmm. fumbling the ball. Oh, he did that later. Yep. And by the I way, and, and and he did fumble the ball. And he was about to break open. I don't know about your house, but the rest of us watching the game, we were all about to break into yeah, celebration yeah, no, no, mode. People, people popped up. People popped yeah, up. But if you watch the replay, what's the kid's name? I think it was Jason Hunter. That was a hell of a strip. That it was. was a, that, and he honestly, I think, sensed that Barbara was breaking open. The Bears yeah. were winning the game, and the only chance they had was to rip the ball out. I swear that's what, like, 
the guy sensed the whole game immediately and was just like, okay, I'm going to go for the only shot we have, and it worked. But he, the only he, shot they he, had was going after the football, because if you tackle Barber right there, he drags you for two more yards, and Robbie Gold comes out there and wins the game. Yeah, there no question. The Bears were all set to win it. All Marion Barber had to do was go down, but it looked like, let me ask you this, was he still in the protective mode and they got stripped, or did part of the fumble caused because just for a split second, Marion Barber saw what the rest of us saw, that it was about to break it, and he changed his mental state and his physical hold of the football a little bit to go into the breakaway move, or, or am I overemphasizing that? Coach, I think you hit it right on the, on the set. Exactly, I think you hit it. Because, uh, I, I think, you know, he, he hit the hole, like, you know what, I just got to make sure I take care of it, and then it was like, it, it seemed like he, like, reacted to, like, wow, yeah. Just to put green in front of me. I, you could, I think you nailed it exactly. That's exactly what happened. And Jason so Hunter, you want a great replay. Great replay on the, you can oh, see that. I, I didn't, I didn't watch it. Oh, yeah, I, I you had can... no idea. I legitimately, when the ball came out in the, in the, <laughs> I was, I, I don't know what I was doing at that moment, but I was not watching any replay. Oh, you should have seen it. I mean, I'm sure you can go back and catch it, but, uh, you can see Jason Hunter's hand on the elbow. Maybe just down below the elbow of Marion Barber and holding on, holding on, and then ripping it backwards. So, you know, great play by Jason Hunter and the strength. You know, you wonder why these guys work out with weights and do a, you know, hand and forearm exercise. Well, there was a case. If you're not strong enough in the hands and the forearms, Marion Barber's gone for a touchdown. That's a weightlifting play right there. That's a strength play by Jason Hunter to hang on against a strong Marion Barber and a literally Pull his hand away from the ball. The slow mo replay really caught it. Was a hell of a play by Hunter. Yeah, heck of a play. Heck of a play. Now, uh, I mean, that was another one that if you think about all the different plays that the Broncos needed in order to win that game, and, uh, and how many of them were just like about the fourth down completion by uh, Tebow, uh, just past the yellow line, uh, right? Timmy Jennings, you you know, he didn't play it too badly, but that was a big time pass by Tebow. Mm-hmm. And that it just. There was also penalties in there that really helped the Broncos. And I'm not just complaining now as a Bears fan, and yesterday I thought that the penalties went against the Bears. You talked about in general how good the field goal kicking is around the NFL. What about them protecting quarterbacks? It's getting out of hand at this point. Did you, did you, they protected Tebow way too much yesterday. Did you happen to see the, the, the Tom Brady London Fletcher play yesterday, coach, by any chance? I saw Tom Brady arguing with his old coordinator, but not the London Fletcher play. What happened? I love Tom Brady. After he was laughing about it, he's like, yeah, I probably overreacted a little bit. You know, that's all he had to do. Everybody else, he's smart about it. He, he's already oh, yeah. lost it. You know, so at least he was there. He starts joking about it. Anybody else would be like, no, it's none of your business. You don't know what we're talking about. We're a man. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, anyways, Tom Brady goes into a slide, okay, way late. And London Fletcher flies up, puts a shoulder Right into Tom Brady's sternum as, as Tom Brady goes into the fight. They call it a personal foul penalty on London Fletcher. London Fletcher goes berserk, coach. They show the replays and all of us were like, I cannot believe they just called that a penalty. It was horrible. The referee goes, it was like 15 yard penalty on number 59 for an elbow to the head. So, okay, let's watch it again. Let's watch the replay. We didn't see the elbow to it. The elbow hits Tom Brady right in the stomach. Tom Brady was laughing. And like shaking his head, they're like, I can't believe they just called a penalty on it. Because he, like, he went into his slide totally late. And as he's going into his slide, before he even touches the ground, London Fletcher just puts an, uh, a shoulder in his in his chest, and they mm-hmm. call it a personal foul, like excessive hit on Tom Brady. 
It's getting ridiculous, Coach. That was a third down play, and it would have forced a 48-yard kick. Obviously, they got the first down. They have scored a touchdown on the drive. New England Patriots end out winning that ball game. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. that and uh, some of the other crazy finishes and uh, big wins in NFL football. We'll do that in the NFL round them up, wrap them up. Big dog and a coach talk a little bear football to open up the show if we can today. We definitely got to get college hoops. We had a fight and one of the best regular season college basketball games we've ever seen. Uh, Based on previous experience, dog, there's a chance. There's a chance we might run out of football talk and have to get to that tomorrow, but uh, hopefully. We'll talk about that as well. We got the steroid issue with uh, Ryan Braun. And by the, by the way, I did watch first time. Thank you, by the way. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Football related. You've told me for years and years to watch Army Navy football. And I've, you know, I tuned into the start in previous years and a little bits and pieces for the first time. I said, you know what? I'm going to trust the dog. Trust the big dog and watch this game from start to finish. I did big dog and I am hooked. Army Navy will forever. Be on my listening and viewing. Uh, it was a great game, great am. Everything you said it was, then some and more, and I wish more college football fans would watch it. Well, it was a, a phenomenal game again this year, uh, which is good because in the last couple of years they've had some Navy blowouts of Army. Just something I want to let you know that since you watched from start to finish, they did a little differently. Now uh, President Barack Obama uh, flipped the Ronald Reagan coin, the the Centennial coin, at, at, before the game. Yep. Did you notice that they didn't have a moment of silence for everybody that had died before, before I always tell you about. Did not. Well, this is the first year the president has come out to put the coin in years. So it, it was a totally different beginning of the ceremony mm-hmm. for, just let you know, but Vern Lundquist, who's been doing the game the last three years, he's remembered, and he the Vern Lundquist is so freaking good. I just, I love, he's like, he's a legend coach. It's so cool to, that he does that game. Uh, but he brought it up, like right when, uh, the president was done flipping the coin. They did. He just said, just he's a, just a reminder to everyone that 84 participants in this game have died in on the on the field of battle for mm-hmm. the United States. So okay. just just think about that. When so I was like, wow, 80, think about it, 84 different participants in that football game have died on the field of battle over the many not many just, years not, the game has been going. You're not talking about the last. Yeah. No, yeah, not just this, but 112. This 112 yeah. meetings. So I mean, that's pretty amazing, coach. I yeah. mean, there's it happens a lot. So. They didn't actually stop the game and, and give the like you know list anybody that had passed away this past year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they should have. And I wasn't thinking about that when I watched, but now that you mentioned it, that absolutely should be part of the game. The part I was surprised about, by the way, Navy won for the eighth consecutive year. It was a good game, 27-21. I was amazed at how intense the whole win-loss thing is in that game. I mean, the, the expressions of not only the players – but the fans, and when I say the fans, the you know the people in the Navy, the military people dressed up that are part of the Navy, and of course those from uh, West Point. I mean the uh, you you know we've seen intensity in fans in professional sports, college sports before, but boy, the body language, the look in the eyes, I don't think I've ever seen that kind of intensity. <laughs> the efficacy of, of victory and the disappointment of defeat that was uh, shown in the fans, that, that surprised me. I thought it would be more of a, yes, we want to win, but we're all part of the military institution. We're all in it. That's a rivalry. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the greatest rivalry in sports. I, I truly believe it for the simple fact that all the like, – they'll say, like Army guys will say, you know, we root for Navy in every single game they play because we know what they go through and we respect those guys. But when we play them on the football field, we have to win. Yeah, and uh, the, the rivalry is so cool on so many other levels, Coach. Now, um, 
I don't know if you know this, but a few years ago, uh, Army Rangers broke in and stole the Commander-in-Chief trophy <laughs> out of uh, a naval institution. So, like, uh, the Navy actually had the Commander-in-Chief trophy, and the uh-huh. president gives this to whoever has the best record out of the Air Force, Army, and Navy, because all three of the institutions play each other every year. But, you know, the, the Air Force, Army, Air Force, Navy games are huge. It's not like Navy, Army. I mean, that's like, that's... Obviously, as you as you were just saying, it's the biggest one. But a few years ago, since you know, it's been ten years now since Army's won coach. Mm-hmm. It's a ten year streak, not eight. And Army was was upset about it a few years ago, and they actually had some guys break into one of the buildings at Navy and steal the trophy from. I believe Dick Cheney had uh, his Halliburton company uh, recommend a multi million dollar security device for the football trophy, so that it will never be stolen again. So oh, for now, that's good, yeah. coach. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so everything's protected there. Uh, yeah, but that was cool. 27-21, uh, Navy wins that ball game yet again. And also in college football, let us quickly mention the Heisman Trophy. Still, I think, the greatest individual trophy in all of sports. I guess that could be argued. I think the, the aura of the Heisman has diminished a little bit with the kids growing up today. But it's still, I think, the most prestigious trophy was awarded over the weekend. Uh, as we both predicted, Big Dog Robert Griffin the third, I think a worthy contender. Andrew Luck comes in second for the second consecutive year. Yeah, uh, well, I, Andrew Luck he'll be able to he'll be able to deal with it because he's going to make about yeah. forty million dollars next year as a as a first overall draft pick in the NFL. Did you watch the presentation, Coach? And Did most not. Importantly, so Did you not. probably will say no to this. Did you happen to see RG three socks? RG three's socks. Yeah, just to let you know, uh, Robert Griffin III, RG3, is uh, he's known for collecting stocks. And okay. since, you know, he's turned into, like, people at Baylor love him because he's like, oh, Robert Griffin III won the Heisman. He's always like, hey, Baylor, we won a Heisman. And he always says we, and he, it's always about him rebuilding the Baylor program. He's class act coach. So these people at Baylor love him. So since he collects stocks, people are always sending him crazy stocks. No joke, he was wearing Superman socks. Coach, you got to listen to how these socks go. It wasn't just like, oh, he had Superman on his socks. He had blue socks, like the Superman blue. And he had the S on the top of the socks. So when he pulled his pants all the way up, you saw that he had just like a blue shirt. And then he had a cape on the sock. <laughs> a cape was hanging from his calf, a red cape. Okay, I'm not talking about it was like, so it was a cape on the sock. not like. Are you sure those were not Mickey Mouse ears? Oh, my goodness. See, there's... Chris Fowler asked me, he's like, what socks do you have out there? He's like, oh, I got my Superman done. When he pulled that and the cape started swaying in the wind, <laughs> the whole place lost it. Because people were like, oh, he's got cool socks. And all of a sudden when he showed, even me, who was expecting the sock comment, because that's, that's what, everywhere he goes, he's got to show off he's got the coolest socks in the world. <laughs> no, dude, by far the best socks I've ever seen in my life. By oh, far. Well, it totally changed the Heisman Trophy presentation after that. It was like, it yeah. turned into like a joke. It was a circus after. So now, now, out. now he set the bar a little bit. So whoever wins it next year has got to do something, uh, you know, a little more creative. Maybe, maybe that'll make the Heisman presentation watchable once again. And he also acted like he couldn't pick the Heisman up. You know, everybody else is so serious. And, oh, they got the Heisman. <laughs> like, oh, my mom, mom, dad, I did it. I did it. He's like, He's cracking jokes. Like, he can't pick it up and, like, like it was broken. I'm like, I'm like, how many other people would do that? So it was a pretty cool presentation. Not your typical uh, boring draft stuff. And it's, oh, and by the way, it's no longer in the Downtown Athletic Club in New York. They had it somewhere else. And uh, the name of the song 
was that okay, right after they gave him the Heisman Trophy, they cut to a break and they were coming back to have him uh, to have him speak. And I'm not kidding you, they had a live band. Mahami Jones tweeted about it, and Cloudy ran down and was like, "Joel, do you know what song they're playing right now? Do you know what the word, name of the song is?" I'm like, "What is it?" Blank them blankers. Okay, <laughs> and uh, the first word that I blanked out rhymes with with um, duck. And the other word rhymes with triggers. And that's the song they're playing at the Heisman Trophy presentation, Coach. Wow. They were wow. singing it. Is that, they, I, I'm a... they were just playing the music to it. Okay. So they and didn't have the be... words to it, but that was the music to it. Do you think the Heisman people, I think I'm going to answer my own question when I say it, do you think they actually knew the words to it, or they just used that? They had, a... no, they had no freaking clue what was going on. They had a house band in there that was rocking out some funky bass. And they just happen to pick a song that Oof. if they and you know, don't uh you know what uh the roots are Jimmy Fallon's house band. And when Michelle Bachman came on the show about a month ago, mm-hmm. they played uh You're a Lion Bitch. <laughs> Again, so not like, not not the words but the the uh, music behind just, it. Just the music. <laughs> like, Nobody, Michelle Bachman, nobody knew except like one person in Michelle Bachman's campaign was like, you know, that song is You're a Lion Bitch. (laughs) And they freaked out. And then the whole campaign was like, what? You know what I mean? It's like a thousand people didn't know one out of that knew. And then all of a sudden the whole campaign got upset about it after that happened. Uh, That one you can laugh about. I'm not so sure the words to the the Heisman Trophy music. uh, That might not have been so good of people. Bahami Jones, you know what I'm talking about? He's a writer on ESPN all the time. He's, no. He tweeted about it immediately. He's like, I cannot believe I'm watching the Heisman. And this is a song that plays. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Yes, there's a lot to talk about this week. You talk, You brought up Ryan Braun. He just passed over the fact that the reigning National League MVP has tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Hilarious. And, and they said, well, I don't know, hilarious? I could think of a few other adjectives. Hilarious would be about seventh or eighth. But okay. now, apparently, the testosterone level or the performance-enhancing drug, whatever it was, wasn't steroids, I don't think, right? Mm-mm. But whatever it was for performance-enhancing, they said, like, twice the level of anybody that, that's been tested. Off the charts high. So either Ryan Braun was big-time cheating or, Big Dog, what Ryan Braun's camp is saying, that the test was so high that that proves that there was something wrong with the testing and that there's no truth behind it. Yeah, there's also, exactly, and we have to be careful because these are just rumors that's coming out right now. There's nothing official that's been said. But along with those two things that I've also heard, Coach, there was something else that's saying that in order, there was also something else found inside the urine that it would have been uh, something, like you had to, it had to been artificial. Because of something okay. else that was found in his urine. They didn't so, check. Uh, the, it wasn't Albert Pujols' DNA. I hope. I, I certainly hope not. And, you know, and, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is you know, the the Brewers only have so much money. Yep. So they can't sign long term two gigantic contracts, meaning Fielder and Braun. So they decided to go with Ryan Braun because he looks a lot more like the Wisconsinites than Prince Fielder does. So they were like, we're not going to sign Prince Fielder. So they picked the wrong guy, didn't they? You're going to go long term. I just they just went long term with the guy. Every can you name one player associated with steroids besides Barry Bonds that after the whole steroid stuff came up were any good afterwards? All of them sucked afterwards. 
Milton Bradley, that's a perfect one to name here in the in Chicago. Gets it, uh, gets the uh, everybody starts talking about the fact that he's on steroids. He gets busted with it, and guess what? He Cubs signed a three-year, thirty million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. With, he what drove in about twenty runs with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. How about um, on not, and on and on with all these guys? Coach. Not sure Manny if this Ramirez. would be one or not, but how about Manny Ramirez? Or did he he diminish pretty much too? Didn't he? You're exactly right. He was incredible. They found out he was doing steroids, and I don't. I mean, he's a two seventy-five with fifteen home run hitters since. That's basically. Who, you're exactly right. That was the perfect example. Because Manny Ramirez says at one point he was putting up Albert Pujols numbers for 12 years straight. It's hitting 325 with 35 home runs every single season. Oh, we found out he was on steroids. 275, 15 home runs all of a sudden. So yeah, and, that's a perfect example. And guys that do it now, guys that that somehow you know in whatever form they take it, the performance enhancing drug. Now that they know there's going to be severe testing and people have been caught, it's almost, would you liken a big dog to politicians that are like blatantly cheating, i.e. our fine governor of the state of Illinois, who almost, if, if you logically think about it, you're going to get caught. But they're, they're in such high positions that they, they, you know, I, I don't know what they say in their mind. You, you know what? They don't believe they're going to get caught. They say, F you, and you know, I'm going to do it anyways, but there's a comparison there because Baseball players now, you know, in all likelihood, if you do it, you can get caught. And, and, and here's the thing, Coach, is these guys, they, you know, they don't go and spend 500 bucks on their steroids, okay? They spend $20,000 on this stuff. You know what I mean? And they, and they go to specific people who guarantee, like, all right, you have no, you've never been tested, you've never tested positive. You're, the players' union is only going to test you twice a year at the most, most likely zero. Okay, so as soon as you get tested, you can be like, hey, you know what? I got tested yesterday. And the guy's going to be like, well, the chance of you getting tested again this year, about one in a million. And they can put him through all this stuff. Now, when there's and plus when they're spending $20,000 on their steroids, they're not just spending it on the steroids. They're spending it on the masking agent uh-huh. and the proper way to take it. And these and you know who are setting up these tests, Coach? You know who's, who they're giving $20,000, $50,000 to are the same people that, come up with the actual administer the test mm-hmm. and if you don't think that's happening you you guys are moronic because the same people who determine how the tests are done those are the ones that know how to beat the test and they can sell this information if people don't think that's going on nowadays you guys are absolutely crazy ryan brown braun didn't pay the right person gotta stay one step ahead of the game the old uh-huh. masking agent very interesting oh, that's, that's that's big time and if you're your masking agent you you got to there's only a few people you want to go. Okay, you, you want to go with a guy that's either from China, Germany. You don't want to go with the masking agent guys from like Greek or Spain. No, they do it on the yeah. cheap. I've heard and, very bad stories about Spanish yeah. masking agents. Oh, you. I mean, and, and trust me, when you go with the Chinese one, you're going to get what you pay for. Okay, <laughs> if you go cheap, you're, you might as well just go with the Greek guy. In the okay. Yes. So, uh, all right, just a friendly bit of advice I'll, I'll for. Yeah, anybody trying to beat a steroid test, just let just buy throw that. Okay, and if anybody's interested in doing that, they can contact the Big Dog. Apparently, you have some connections, both on the negative and positive variety. When it comes to masking agents, you can contact the Big Dog at uh, Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Feel free to email us, and we'll pass along your name to the Big Dog. And uh, I guess in the world of masking agents, Big Dog, what you pay for is what you're going to get. Yeah, just to let you know, if you are going to have to spend uh, some time with a nurse named Olga. <laughs> Which could be a good thing or a bad thing. 
Yeah. Now, on your website, are the different prices listed uh, via, you know, experience, nationality, odds of getting off? Is that, is that listed, or is that something that needs to be done verbally? That it's definitely done. That's we're very discreet, Coach. <laughs> so yes, we don't actually the, the website, you know, because you can actually get caught doing that. So. Ah, come on. Yeah. Just hire a masking agency. Don't get caught. That's all. You got to hey, get a oh, get a web masking agent. Believe it or not, the Ugandan testing is unbelievable. Just to let you know, Africa has a lot more stringent testing than you would ever think. Coach. Yes. Yeah, you won't pull anything off in uh, in the fine st- country of Africa. All right, uh, real quick before the NFL round him up and wrap him up, big deal. We'll get back to Bears talk a little bit. Again, our phone lines are open here at eight 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 four six three six seven four eight triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Let's mention real quick two notes in the world of college basketball over the weekend. First, the good one, and that is arguably one of the best regular season college basketball games I have ever seen. Atmosphere. Quality of play, storyline, and I gotta add in one other ingredient, just a little dash of Dick Vitale at his finest. I know some people don't like him, but I thought he was just perfect for this atmosphere. What a game, big dog. Indiana. They are back, the fine state of Indiana. So basketball driven and so heartbroken the last three, four, five, six, seven years. Indiana basketball is back in incredible last second victory over number one Kentucky. Did you watch it, my friend? Oh yeah, that's uh... Coach, that was, uh, it was pretty cool because it was, you know, I'm watching, uh, Kansas, Ohio State before that. What a doubleheader of basketball. That's what I'm talking about. The Big Ten teams going out there playing tough schedules. Ohio State goes to Kansas. Kansas couldn't put them away. You know, they can't, it like Kansas was leading by five points the whole entire game. They do, they end up winning. So that was a great game watching at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Then it switches over to, to Bloomington and Assembly Hall. That place was going crazy the whole entire game, coach. That was as good of a non-conference regular season basketball game as you'll ever yep. watch. That, yep. that was uh, phenomenal. And then Verdell Jones at the end of the game, Indiana down two, drives all the way to the hole, stops, turns, and kicks it out to somebody. What what a great senior to actually take control of the situation at the time. I don't know who hit the shot coach, but I mean, what what a way for Verdell Jones to drive to the hole and create space and then kick it back out to a wide open three point shooter who drills the shot. From Champaign, then, Illinois, by the way, Verdell Jones the yeah. third. And by the way, the guy who hit the shot is not just some guy. He is their leading scorer, the guy who hit two or three three pointers in the uh, second half. So he, you know, his name is Christian Walford, and, and he's their leading scorer for Indiana, the hot hand. And you know, they had called the timeout. You would have thought. That John Calipari would have said, or you know, a few instructions, but hey, wow. you know, but make sure you find number nineteen, Walford, the hot hand. And, and if you watch the replay, he trails the play. Nobody, nobody paying attention to the best outside shooter for Indiana. That's a mental breakdown from uh, Kentucky. Yeah, and you got to be prepared. Indiana had nailed seven three pointers in a row uh, just a few minutes earlier. They were, I mean, they were just they were crackling hot on fire. So, uh, it, I mean, Indiana's pretty good, Coach. They haven't played the toughest schedule so far this year. So that no. was kind of like a test to see where they'd be. You know, I, if you would have told me a couple of years ago that Indiana would, the, the fans at Indiana would storm the court after a non-conference victory, I'd have been like, no this, way. This one was That's, worth storming. I guess it was. And when I thought about it, I was like, you know, the, the Hoosier fans know where they've been through, what they've been through, all that stuff. 
Yep. If they're willing to, if they're willing to rush the court over a regular season win, you know, let yeah. them enjoy themselves. There, there, there's no complaints by anybody. I don't think a storm in the. If you're ever going to storm the court, that was the time to do it. it. Was a program defining moment. You knock off the number one team on a three pointer at the buzzer when it looked like you were going to lose a heartbreaker. Are you kidding me? And again, the atmosphere for the game. You said non conference. I'd argue is one of the best atmospheres. Intensity, loudness, fans, uh, you know, in, in any game, regular season game I've seen. And I love the fact that they gave Kentucky what? Like a hundred tickets. So it was a sea of red and every once in a while you'd see like a blue shirt here. And yeah, they, they didn't yeah. even give two, two seats next to each other to Kentucky fans. Do you notice that? <laughs> yeah, it was like one right. blue here, a little dot of blue over there, a little dot of blue over here. It was a sea of red. It was an incredible game. And uh, congratulations to Indiana. They are at least temporarily back on the map. I, the game was so good, Big Dog. I taped it. I was gone for a good part of Saturday. But, you know, I had just visited Indiana University, right, and a college visit. Uh-huh. And I had caught the fever a little bit. We, of course, went to the bookstore in the student center. And I got all the Indiana stuff there, and there were a whole section of, I forget what it said, but something to do with the Indiana-Kentucky game. They were selling the T-shirts for this specific game. So I kind of caught the juice a little bit having visited there, and I had a feeling it might be a good game. So I taped the game. Well, I go to a party Saturday. I still hadn't watched the game. I was planning on watching it Sunday morning, and, of course, somebody blurted it out. So at that point, I had to hear the deal. So I knew what happened. I tuned in Sunday morning to watch. I had it taped, and I figured I'd just watch the last couple minutes. i got to watch the last shot. But I watched the opening of the game. Uh-huh. You know, Dick Vitale, was it Dan Schulman? I saw the Indiana. Dan Schulman is so good. Outstanding. That guy is phenomenal. basketball or baseball. Whatever Dan Schulman yeah. is doing, I could watch. Pros, pro. And, and then you throw in a Dick Vitale's uh, vitality. You know what I'm saying? And they, they feed off each other so well. But the game was so good, dog. I, even though I knew what happened, I, I started watching the beginning. I watched the entire game. That's how good it was. And it was totally riveted, even though I knew in the end what was going to happen. Just outstanding game. It was, it was a pleasure to watch. Without a doubt, the moment of the broadcast, telecast, was when Vital put both of his arms around uh, Shulman, <laughs> and he and he starts screaming, We're stealing money! We're stealing money, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Just be like... Couldn't believe how good the game he was watching was. It. Here, here's Dick Vitale's analysis on the, on the game-winning shot. Here's Dick Vitale's analysis. Oh! 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 He, he did say that's the, he, he did say the word amazing somewhere oh, in the middle. Oh, that was good stuff. Good stuff. All right, the other quick news we got to get to the NFL, round them up and wrap them up, and to the chagrin of some. And to the celebration of others, we got to get to our Beat the Schmoes football results as well. But uh, the other negative news real quick in college basketball, uh, a great rivalry. I know some people that go to these schools. It really is a good rivalry. Xavier and Cincinnati, unfortunately, big fight at the end of the game, big dog, and a negative, a huge negative on what was at least a great rivalry, Xavier and Cincinnati. Yancey Gates is a punk you-know-what coach that, I mean, tough. Sucker punch a guy when he's not looking like that. That's about his. And, and David Freeze had done nothing. He went over. He just walked over and like he's separating people. And Yancey Gates walks up and punches him right in the temple when the guy isn't looking. And then when when David Freeze goes to the ground, obviously, because who wouldn't when you just get punched in the temple by a two hundred eighty five pound man? 
oh, one of his teammates starts stomping on him while he's laying on the ground. Yep. Those two should not play Cincinnati basketball ever again. The head coach at Cincinnati was so forthright about the fact that he's like, I, I made them remove their jerseys. He's like, I physically made uh, two of them. Uh, he's like, I physically took it off them. He's like, I don't know if they'll be part of the Cincinnati program. They're, they're, they don't know how lucky they are to get an education at this school. And I mean, it was I've never seen a coach so demonstrative about how upset he was at a student-athlete mm-hmm. as, as the Cincinnati coach was about Yancey Gates and that other punk that was stomping on the player while he was on the ground. On the other hand, if you watch it, you know, there was a lot of trash talking, but uh, with the, the, the play that started the fight was the Cincinnati player. The second player, and the two guys were trash talking back and forth, second Cincinnati guy comes in, two-handed shove thrusting the Xavier player to the ground. So it was a, or I'm sorry, it was a Xavier player. Yeah, that yeah. pushed the Cincinnati player to the ground right in front of the Cincy bench. So okay, there's more people to blame than just Yancey Gates. Pushing the guy to a ground that you're looking straight in the face of, that you're talking smack yeah, to, you're right. is completely different than sucker punching yeah. somebody when they're not looking and then stomping on the dude that just got yeah. sucker punched. Yeah, oh, by the way, the guy right. that, just, that you just sucker punched had about 15 rebounds and kicked your ass all game. That's why Yancey Gates punched him in the eye. Mm-hmm. They they lost by 23, and Yancey Gates got his butt handed by this guy, and then all yep. of a sudden he decides to punch him. Yep. When the game's over, you didn't you didn't show any fight for the first 39 minutes of the ball game, did you? Not good, and it ruined a great, uh, hopefully it doesn't ruin forever, but certainly put a big negative mark on really a quality rivalry between uh, Cincinnati and Xavier, two schools very well, close to each other. I think the big thing there, Big Dog, and I know they have video of the game. I don't know if anybody has, like, soundtrack of the game, but the big thing there oh, is, you know, the trash talking and the mouthing off. I have zero, zero tolerance for guys that, you know, negatively trash talk either to the bench or to players on the court, shut their mouths. I don't know if the referees didn't do their job, but it looked like there was a lot of trash talking that kind of fed the fever, and then at the end of the game, the volcano erupted. Yeah, so I, I did say, you know, I threw Yancey Gates out of the bus because I was so disgusted. I, I, I can't stand stuff for punch. Coach, after being a bouncer, for, for so for three years and seeing like that drunk idiot sucker punch people and the next thing you know like I didn't do nothing no I saw you just sucker punch a dude from I, and you know what I mean I just those type of people I can't stand if you can't square up and, and fight a man looking him in his eye don't mm-hmm. throw any punches yep. but you're exactly right because Mark Lyons of Xavier and Two Holloway wouldn't shut the f up the whole entire game all they did was they just kept talking smack and then eventually a fight started so. Those they needed a, too hollow. You're better than everybody on the court. Okay, you don't need to talk smack. All you need to do is just continue to play as the best two guard in the country, and then that that will do enough for you. You don't have to sit there and talk smack. And you know what's funny, Coach, is that because of the whole Big East and people going conference to conference, uh, they they're not going to be in the same basketball conference next year. Okay, so the. I'm not exactly sure what was going on, but they were like, well, we got to figure out a way to keep this rivalry going, blah, blah, blah. But then this happened. So they were going to figure out a way to get this game on the schedule next year. And now after this, they're like, you know, we might not ever play this, this uh, rivalry ever, again. Ever would be a shame. If they want to take a year off, probably a good move, but ever would be a shame because it's a great rivalry. And, again, you don't want to penalize future players in what could be and has been a great game for the idiocy of uh, a bunch of guys for about three minutes. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, take one year off because I think one of the greatest things Philadelphia has is the fact that well, didn't the mayor say all oh, you guys have to play each other? Like the mayor was like, if, if you're going to use uh, like the Spectrum or whatever the heck they use, the Palestra, whatever the heck they use in Philadelphia, that like LaSalle, 
Villanova, St. Joe's, they all have to play each other every year. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, there's something that the, the mayor in Philadelphia like had an edict that you have to play at least three of the other schools every single season. Which is, that's the way it should be. You have other Division One schools in your city, mm-hmm. Xavier and Cincinnati. It's a bus ride. Yep. You know what I'm saying? As a student athlete, well, we have an away game and it's a 10-minute bus ride. Thank you. I can yeah. actually study. And we should get something like that. Maybe we could have the mayor of Philadelphia talk to our current mayor, get something like that for the city of Chicago. But we must move on, Big Dog. It is time for our uh, semi-award-winning uh, edition. I don't know what this is. I guess the 13th edition of the NFL round them up and wrap them up. Uh, yes, David Olson. Before we get started, there is an uh, NFL note to pass along. I heard this. Todd Haley is out yes. as Chiefs coach. Yeah. Oh wow! I've been uh, I don't I don't have the sound up. I just kept they kept showing Todd Haley. I'm like, why are they showing Todd Haley? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> In a whole week of activities, Todd Haley, the KC Chiefs coach, is not the what you'd expect yeah. to see first and foremost. But he's let go with three games left. In the season, the Chiefs took it on the chin. We'll uh, talk about that game. Not a whole lot. There wasn't much to talk I, about in that particular game. I would like to see Todd Haley as the Bears receivers coach. That's, Honestly, what, he, I would. that's what he was. I would, he needs to come back because they okay. need some, the Bears need some coaching up on their wide receivers. Mm-hmm. All right. We got Mike Tice, ex-head coach, coaching our offensive lineman. Let's bring a Todd Haley in and uh, you know get some of these ex-head coaches, uh, specialty coaches that can – make us a little bit stronger, no question about it. Uh, hey, real quick, I beat the Schmoes football predictions, dog. Nicely done, my friend. You came through with a three and zero. I got a three and zero week, and I'm up to twenty six and eighteen, and I'm knocking. I'm very close to the sixty percent door. You are rolling now. Let us admit, all three games right down to the wire. I mean, you had the Bears, and I'm I'm ashamed, you know, that I won on the Bears too. It's a a definite backdoor victory there, but three and a half point spread. So even though the Bears blow it, we still win on that one, right? Yeah. You had the Giants plus three and a half. Well, that wasn't that close because they won by how much? Three? Uh, yeah, but still, I mean, they were losing by five yep. with a minute to go. You know, that could have easily been a loss. So the big dog pulled that one off, and you had Army plus seven, and you needed every one of the seven. Yeah, they, they won by six. But, yeah. you know, Coach, I do pick the biggest games. It is, true. And it's not my fault, you know, with the, the Army-Navy game. I could have easily went minus seven with Navy because Navy is – a lot better than Army, and they've been beating them by 25 points a game the last couple of years. So. Yep. All right, so, dog, you are officially uh, having a heck of a year at this point, 26-18 and 18 against the spread. Again, beat the Schmoes, our uh, football Friday prediction game we play. Pick any three games against the point spread. I had a bounce-back week after uh, suffering my second slump of the year, big dog, but hopefully I'm out of it. I go 2-1 and one. again. Got lucky with the Bears. I picked the Bears along with you. Uh, and hey, I did pick the Arizona upset over San Francisco. Um, David Olson, though, the shocker. Are you sitting down? Uh, yes, I am, Coach. The stars are not aligned. It was a full uh, moon last night, by the way, if you noticed. But David Olson, yeah. hotter than hot, the man we depend on, had a rare off week. He goes 0-3. Ooh. Now, what, he, had, he had obviously taken – see, the – Denver is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's just too much because you know that it's going to go down to the last play of the game and a field goal. Yep. But I don't know where the other two games that he that he took. Carolina he over work? Atlanta. That was close. Oh, they, Carolina basically handed the game gift wrap to Atlanta. That game, they, Carolina should have won that game. There were so many drops. Like Cam Newton should go and choke his receivers. If you think the Bears have bad receivers, which I think they do, the Broncos and Carolina Panthers, oh, my goodness, those two teams are pathetic. <laughs> Seriously, as Bears fans, I think we're loaded at the receiver position. He also Sorry. had uh, Tennessee over New Orleans, and that Ooh. was close too, right? 
That was that was a good pick. Uh, another twenty-two Tennessee. to seventeen. What was the spread in that game? Tennessee or uh, t- uh, New Orleans is probably like a three-point favorite. Saints by but, three uh, and a half. Hasselbeck got hurt, and they had to play uh, Jake Locker, and he made so many rookie mistakes, coach, that he would have won that game if it wasn't for mm-hmm. Hasselbeck going up. Ah, let's go over so some of the games here. Which is still sixty. He's two for one, sixty-seven percent for the year. That's, oh, that's yeah. phenomenal. phenomenal. No question about it. Just a bump in the road. I'm sure he'll be back to three and zero, minimum two and one next week. Uh, real quick, NFL roundup, up, wrap him up. Some great games yesterday. Week thirteen, three games left. The playoff crunch is on. Uh, for the Chicago Bears, it's definitely uh, emergency mode. We'll talk about the Bears end of the show, but real quick in the uh, NFC North division, Detroit knocked off Minnesota, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Minnesota made a little bit of a comeback. Big dog. They took their backup quarterback, Christian Ponder, and they took him out and they brought in their backup to the backup guy named Joe Webb, I think. Yeah, why last start on I... Dragnet, I think. But Joe Webb almost let a comeback, but the Lions win. Now, if you remember last year, the Joe Webb replaced Brett Favre when Corey Wooten uh, ended Brett Favre's career. If you The last play I remember yeah. Brett Favre's career. The only Joe Favre Webb there. I remember from last year was a black and white, and he arrested some guy at the end of the show. Well, uh, Joe Joe Webb is a light skin color brother, so okay. uh, I'm not exactly sure what you meant by that, Coach. But, yeah, he, he played last year. Why well, I, I don't know why you start Christian Potter as this kid all season because Joe Webb was really good last season when he played for the Vikings. And then they don't give this kid a shot. He looked phenomenal yesterday. He led the comeback. The, the, the Vikings might have won if he would have been in the game a little earlier. That was a dragnet reference. And I guess his name was Joe Friday. Why am I thinking Joe Webb? But there was a Webb who was a detective, right? There was a Webb somewhere. Who was a Colonel Potter played Joe Friday's assistant in dragnet? Was he? Harry Morgan. I know it. Well, what was, was his name Webb on the show? Doesn't matter. Sorry, big dog got distracted. <laughs> it's all right. No, I'm trying to say, there's a web too. I know. I know what you're talking about. A wild, to... wild fumble at the end of that game too that helped the Lions win the game as they batted the ball around. What about 50 yards of the football field? Yeah, easily. Joe Webb is uh, rolling out and just dropped the ball <laughs> on the biggest play of the game. Yeah, they, they were. They're down six. Have driven all the way to about the one, right around the right, two yard line maybe, and there's. They have no timeouts, and there's like 12 seconds to go on the clock. So you could get two plays out of it, and Joe Webb drops the ball. And next, you know, they're in Detroit territory. That was that was unbelievable, Coach. Very quick, way, quick college football trivia question. Which college football quarterback early in the season did the same thing in a comeback mode, got his team down to the one-yard line, fumbled, and he never again played for the team, and he is now going to transfer his college career, took a major shot where if they would have completed the drive, who knows how the story would have turned out? Um, is that the kid from Texas, Coach? Nope. Dane Christ, Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, yeah, Remember? that's right. Got him mm-hmm. down to the one-yard line, had that horrific fumble, and uh, who knows? If he would have brought him in then, things could have changed. But anyhow, we move along in the NFL, round them up, wrap them up. The Green Bay Packers just keep on keeping on. The Oakland Raiders, they're fading fast in the West, 46-16. to 16. Aaron Rodgers, only 281 yards, big dog. Only a couple touchdowns, but he was taken out, what, about mid-third quarter? Yeah, and this was the first game. Remember I was joking about last This was the first game he had a, a quarterback rating below 100, Coach. It was like 96. Shocking. Yeah, which is still, 96 is the all-time passing record for a career, which is, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Mm-hmm. He's the all-time 
quarterback rating leader. Nine, he an average game yesterday. 19 wins in a row, my friend. 19 wins in a row. By the way, they're much maligned. Not much maligned. Semi-maligned defense creates five turnovers as well, four interceptions. You know, people are always ripping their defense. And, and, and I'm one of them saying, you know, you, well, the Bears really they should run on them. Take advantage of it because you can run on them. You know what? I'll be more than happy to give up a bunch of yards if I'm getting turnovers from you. And that's the same as what they do. You keep getting yards, keep getting yards, and right when they get in the red zone, Clay Matthews forces a fumble. Somebody intercepts them. They have they had 23 interceptions going into yesterday's game, Coach. And then there was five turnovers. I don't know how many were interceptions, but yeah, they were leading the league. People are trying to find some weakness in what obviously is a great team. 19 NFL wins in a row, including uh, one of those being a Super Bowl game. All right, we got to move quickly along here. Keep them quick. Uh, we already alluded to it. Atlanta and Carolina. Carolina, the Panther, Ronnie Rivera and company, up 16 points. 16 points at the half. Comeback. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones with a couple connections. Atlanta comes back out of nowhere, big dog, and beats Carolina. Uh, it was a lot of mistakes by Carolina in order for that to happen. Because, uh, to be quite honest with you, there was no reason for Atlanta to get back into the game. Now, uh, Carolina had a couple turnovers. Cameron, uh, Cam Newton had two interceptions and they, one of them was really, really costly. So, the Bears had a shot, a shot to have Atlanta lose, but the uh, Panthers couldn't pull the trigger on them. Houston knocks off Cincinnati 20 to 19 down to the final play of the game. TJ Yates, another backup quarterback making good. Uh, finds a way, avoids the rush, and finds a Kevin Walter in the end zone. Two seconds left in the game. They put six on the board and beat Cincinnati 20 to 19. Dramatic victory for the Houston Texans. It was uh, the greatest moment in the history of the Houston Texas franchise, and I'm not that it shouldn't be taken lightly. This is their tenth season, and simultaneously, coach on the Red Zone Network, one half of the screen that showed the the touchdown pass to Kevin Walters, and the other thing they needed was the Titans to lose. And a minute, less than a minute afterwards, uh, they stop uh, the Jake Locker led Titans at the end of the game. The Saints do, and the Saints win, so the Texans clinch their first playoff berth ever. All of one minute. It was pretty cool. Wow. Having a hell of a season. And by the way, they're doing it without their top offensive player, Andre Johnson, and their top defensive player, Mario Williams. Highly impressive. And their top two quarterbacks. Third string quarterback yep. and their top two yep. players. Pretty amazing. That would put Matt Munchuk uh, in the lead candidate for coach of the year, I would think. Uh, well, Gary Kubiak is the coach of the ah. Houston Texans. Okay. Matt Munchuk of the Tennessee Titans. Sorry, Gary Kubiak. Mike, yeah, Mike Munchuk. Gary Kubiak, your leader uh, in the Coach of the Year Award. All right, Jacksonville knocks off Tampa Bay 41-14. to Oh, my goodness. You talk about a team going south, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right there for you. Interim coach, first-time victory for Jacksonville. What's his name, Big Dog? I don't even know. Oh, it's uh, Del, it was Del Randall. Is that what it, is her, it was? Her def, Mel Randall? It was her defensive coordinator last week. All right. Uh, I, I Jack Del Rio fired, and uh, the interim coach, we got to get his name, but he wins his first ever game and a big win for Jacksonville, Sands, their normal head coach. They were down 14 nothing, and they scored 41 unanswered points. That'll win games for you when you get 41 unanswered, coach. Should have done that earlier. Philadelphia knocked off Miami 26-10. Michael Vick, he is back. Defense came through for the Eagles. They had nine sacks, three turnovers, and a safety. This is the kind of game that people thought the Philadelphia Eagles were going to play on a regular basis. They beat Miami 26-10, to 10, but obviously, dog, we haven't seen um, as many performances like this as we thought from Philadelphia. Philadelphia mathematically alive in the NFC East and in the NFC playoffs, believe it or not. 
The emphasis there on mathematically. Finally, yes. New England and Washington, surprisingly a heck of a game. The uh, New England Patriots knock off the Redskins 34 to 27. Two more touchdowns, by the way, for Rob Gronkowski, who was uh, setting record for touchdowns now for NFL tight ends. He's got 14. Washington driving late in the game to tie it up, and Rex Grossman throws the INT. Uh, it was a perfect pass to Santonio Moss. It goes off his hands, tips in the air. And a uh, Patriot made a phenomenal leaping uh, grab, snare the ball before it hit the ground, and it uh, wraps up. So, yeah, we, we can make fun of Sexy Rexy throwing the pick, but it was actually a perfect pass on that one yesterday. Coach. All right. Big dog, nicely done. Uh, glad you had an outstanding weekend despite the depression and the shock and awe that apparently your roommates had as the Bears were defeated. Hopefully you will bounce back for Monday Night Football tonight. And the uh, the girlfriend's back in town, right? Oh, yes. It was, it was definitely good to see her. As a matter of fact, she... Uh, Spent the night out here on Friday. It was awfully Beautiful. awful, Coach. Beautiful. But I'm invigorated. Did you kick her out of the house at about uh, 2.45 on Sunday? Oh, no. It's, uh, you know, she works seven days a week, Coach. And she does realize that uh, weekends are made for football. I like that. <laughs> sounds like a, Dave, I haven't met her yet, but it sounds like a perfect match. She actually works, and she realizes weekends are for football. <laughs> Keep, it's hard. Keeper, big dog. Uh, we'll talk more tomorrow. Residue Tuesday, we can get into more of the uh, Bears game as well. Uh, big dog, be good and uh, stay out of trouble. I'll be reading the crime report uh, the, tomorrow morning to make sure. Same to all of you. Thanks, David Olson. Get your hand off my thigh. It's not my hand. That's not my thigh. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic. Signing off. See you tomorrow.